Let's save that for the pod. Oh, are we not? Are we not even in yet? No, we're not even in. We haven't done the intro yet, John. You haven't even done the intro. No, you got to do the heavy lifting. Well, I'm trying to think of which quote I want to use because it's like it's between three. Well, of course, it is between three. There's an obvious one, a really obvious one, and a super obvious one. That's the problem. You got to dig deep. Go, go, not as obvious. Throw people for a loop. Do a Christmas one, like. You could you could just do a quote that's not even a quote, but just something written on a sign on a guy's that's, chest after an elevator door opens. That's <laughs> it. All right, that's what I have written down. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Welcome to the Memory Distillery, everyone. I'm Anthony Verneri, and I'm John Deck. And each week, we will malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long-loved movies. And this week. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. That's right. We are watching Die Hard from 1988, directed by John McTiernan. Uh, John, we were just discussing this before we started the recording. Out of the 30, what, 32? This is our 33rd episode. Uh, probably 30 movies, we'll say. Sure. Uh, that we've watched for this show. Um there may not be one that we've watched individually as much as either of us have watched Die Hard. First of all, let me clarify. Are we supposed to watch the movies too? I mean, generally, like re- just reading the synopsis isn't technically enough when you're doing a, a you know, a, a podcast right. uh, about a movie in which you're like reminiscing and, and it's a nostalgia thing. Like you're not... You're not going by memory. You want to actually watch the hmm. film. I'll do better on the next 35. Great. Perfect. Thank you. But yeah, to your point, um, a, a lot of the movies we've done, we like hit that thing where we go, oh, remember when? And then we like think back to that time we last watched it, like around college age or, you know, some sometime sure. in the past that just feels like it shouldn't be so long. It feels like I watched this, but I guess it's been 12 years. Oh, my God. Um but with Die Hard, I feel like, I mean, in fact, now that I think about it, it's probably been at least a couple of years since I've seen it. But um, of all the movies that we've done so far, I've probably had the most regular diet of Die Hard, so to speak. Um, where I, it just... I, I think that it, it would probably be a close run for me between this and like Ghostbusters. Because mm. um, I, I watched Ghostbusters a whole lot growing up and it, it, even before we did it as an episode with Fernando uh it, w- as recently as just like two or three years ago so it's not as though I go great spans of time without watching that but I think I've I've watched Die Hard at least as recently as I've watched Ghostbusters yeah that's a fair point I think Ghostbusters might be in contention um, my appreciation level, I probably, I uh, definitely would put Ghostbusters at a higher level than Die Hard just overall. Um, not by much, but because it's a tight, you know, you get up in the higher echelons and it gets pretty competitive. Um, right. But I'd say uh, 
for me, uh, Beetlejuice would be in contention for overall number of watches because I think I mentioned this when we did Beetlejuice, but my little sister was on a diet of a couple of movies and that was one of them when she was like right. three. And so it was like, I probably watched it in the course of a year or two, maybe 30, 40, 50 times. Jeez. Um, and then every once in a while, you know, later had watched it, but I'd say with Die Hard, um, the, the first movie, uh, itself being the, the template for, you know, the pinnacle of what a, a quote unquote action movie is. Um, I thought you were going to say a Christmas movie. I, I was going to, cause I figure if we were going to talk about nonsense, that really means nothing at all. We could have an argument about whether it's a Christmas movie or not. You we'll get to... into that in a minute. Yeah, we'll crack that Go egg. Ahead. Um, but no, I was just going to say that um, it, if nothing else, that watching this movie is like, just, it feels to me like the equivalent of, you know, watching like Julia Child make a, a simple omelet perfectly. You know, it's just like, there's not a lot of extravagance here. There's not a lot of convoluted plot and things that are insane. Um, it's, it's something that is just pure in what it provides. It's not pretending to be something else. And, you know, is it perfect? Of course not. Is it, should it have won an Oscar? No, but there's just something wonderful about it that, you know, helps, you know, break us into the holiday season. Right. Right. And I, I think <laughs> I can agree with you on a few of those points at the very least. Um, it was very eloquently put. I like the Julia Child, uh, allegory there that was that was nice um that... well first first you need to curl your toes into the carpet <laughs> and then shoot a terrorist oh. <laughs> um no I, I i think that uh this this sort of ticks all the boxes without being perfect like it's it's fun it's got some great one-liners. It's got a, a good enough story to go along with an action flick. Um, it's uh, it, it's got uh, a great cast. It's got it, it's got Christmas, and yeah. it really is. It's one of the first action movies that I can think of that that the hero is a bit sloppy you know he's he's not he's not a super spy he's not always wearing a suit he's not always perfect you know he's just this regular guy no uh, and he, he's he's on his heels the entire time right Cause, yeah and and like well obviously we'll get into it more as you know after we watch it and we get into the 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 second half of the show but he's on his heels the entire time he like he gets there and he's just expecting to sort of have this kind of chill evening with his kind of estranged wife and then all of a sudden these guys come in and start shooting up the place and yeah he's a cop but it's not as though he's a, a, a navy seal who's prepared to take down terrorists like he's right. he's having to improvise the entire time so like yeah that's a I great think, point i mean i really feel out of all the movies we've done we could cheat and not even watch this and have a big long conversation <laughs> but the one thing i do want to just Get get out of the way before we uh, get into the rewatches. The question of is this a Christmas movie? So, and I have sort of, I have this written down here. What elements are required for it to be a Christmas movie? Because I feel as though it is a Christmas movie. It takes place at Christmas time. They're at a Christmas party, and the fact that there's terrorists that show up shouldn't negate the fact that this is a Christmas movie. And my answer to that 
is it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't care at all. It's anything you want it to be. <laughs> it's all semantics. You know, anyone who wants to argue that it is a Chris movie is correct because they can say, but look, there's some tinsel and I saw a tree and they're they're celebrating. And then someone else can say, but it's not because a Christmas movie needs to fulfill all of these aspects about the holiday spirit and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, you can argue and talk all you want. And it's a bunch of dead air as far as I'm concerned. I hate this argument. It's not a real argument. No one really cares. Everyone cares, John, except for you. And you're being a humbug and a Scrooge right now, and I don't appreciate it. I really care about not caring. Well, we're going to answer the question definitively (laughs) in this episode, no matter what, whether or not this is a Christmas movie. So uh, stick around. What we're going to do here is we're going to stop and watch this. Uh, For those of you who are going to be streaming this, it does appear to be streaming on Crackle. So if you want to check it out there, feel free. Uh, I'm going to be watching this probably on Blu-ray. Uh, John, I imagine, is going to watch this from his personal library, yes? I thought for sure you were going to say watching it on a kaleidoscope, and I was going to jump in and say, <laughs> it's not a Christmas movie, um, and let everybody <laughs> sort it out. But yes, pers- <laughs> most certainly uh, uh, my my personal collection perfect so uh stick around with us actually before we uh before we jump to the break here um i did want to say real quick thank you to wiley herman for sitting in for me uh on last week's episode uh for batman returns uh you are a mensch and i really appreciate you doing that uh while I you weren't there a week off I, no that was wiley huh oh wow i yeah i wasn't even i didn't even notice <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was a great episode and I really do appreciate it. So, uh, anyhow, stick around and we'll be right back. All right. Yippee Kaye, motherfucker, we are back. Uh,. John, you had some opinion about this before we started recording, did you not? Yeah, I was just telling you that this is a horrible movie, and I hated it, and everybody should never watch it again. And April Fool's! (laughs) Classic bit. Classic John. Uh, No, this is still fucking great. It's hard to argue. It's it's a it's a simple formula. It's not Shakespeare, but it's just enjoyable and it's good and great and also good. But I mean, it doesn't try to be more than what it is. What they set out to do with it. It's not some major Oscar contender. It's not. They don't have a, a in depth storyline that you know you need to watch the entire film numerous times to catch everything and and to really understand it. This is a shoot 'em up Christmas movie. That's all that it is. It is a shoot 'em up movie. Shoot 'em up Christmas movie. That's exactly. all that it is. Exactly. We're in agreement. Yep. <laughs> it was it was interesting watching this time to th- just thinking about um just the I guess lineage um legacy that's a better word uh, of what, you know, action movies that came out after the you know, late eighties, what they took from this and how this became the benchmark for, you know, just the the blueprint even for your typical action movie. And Mm -hmm. there were so, so, so many movies that 
almost shot for shot recreated this. Even Die Hard itself recreated itself, you know, yeah. and, and Die Hard 2 being almost exactly the same movie, just set in a slightly different place. And like, uh, you see those elements and you just think, wow, there's just, it's, if you were to watch this movie now, it would feel like it was ripping off a bunch of other movies, but it's like, I'm not saying it's the first action movie by any stretch, but it's just so interesting to see that development and and then to see things that you know must have inspired other movies that I never even thought before. Like watching this, seeing a couple of different scenes that made me really feel some very strong Matrix vibes, even though oh, I never sure. I never would have com- compared the two. But just that, especially the, you know, the one of the most iconic scenes when he's jumping off the roof with the hose and all, it's just yep. like Trinity. And uh, when she jumps off the roof, or I mean the, the helicopter, and swings into the building. And so it's just like there was so much going on that I could appreciate it for its simplistic action-y-ness. Um, and at the same time, just kind of, it made me pause and just think about the 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 overall storyline of where action movies have you know come from in the last thirty plus years and and you know just thinking about the different turns and evolutions that uh, different movies represent I thought it was pretty interesting I did too and I, I think that there's a lot of what you just said is uh, is really important to touch on because you know this this does sort of uh, exemplify the mold I guess of what the action movie is or what it became. I mean, prior to that, yeah, you had action movies, but I don't think you had all those same elements that future movies took from. Uh, it, it, the, the case in point that you made was uh, The Matrix. Like there there were quite a few scenes that you, know, you could tell were almost ripped directly from the Die Hard screenplay. Now, thinking about you know, action movies as as they are. And as this is a podcast where we frequently lean into our good feelings of the past and our, our memories and our distilleries. Um, Oh wait, no, but we were thinking about, you know, nostalgia and what it's like to watch these things when we're younger and all. And I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, that when this was, you know, much earlier when it first came out or, you know, those years that this probably was the, the ultimate, movie especially action movie that you might have experienced is that fair to say oh absolutely yeah i i remember loving this from an early age i probably first saw this when i was let's see it came out in 89 i I probably didn't see it in the theater um i probably saw this for the first time i was i don't know nine or ten so take take you know that enjoyment and the fact that of course we both still like the movie now and have seen it countless dozens and dozens of times um but now fast forward and here we are almost adults and i'm just curious how this stacks up versus other action movies in terms of your taste has it changed and evolved are there any other movies that come to mind that like top this in terms of just what you look for in an action movie or is this still at that pinnacle is this still the top that's a hard question to answer because my feelings toward the movie have evolved somewhat. Um, like I, I still feel a, a very strong love for the movie, but I also like, obviously I'm getting older and I, I feel myself relating more and more to John McClane and like yeah. 
watching him, you know, go through all that, especially like the limping around and stuff like that. Like my body's fucking broken. So, um, watching him do that, I'm like, oh yep, yeah, that's oh he's not gonna he's not gonna recover quickly from that at all. Uh, like that that's something that I feel more and more with each kind of subsequent viewing. Um, other action movies that that maybe I relate to or that uh, that this sort of uh, has has driven me toward um, I don't know uh, shoot em up maybe um, hmm. like shoot em up was just a fun fun movie to watch like it's another one of those where you don't have a ton of story that like it, the, the the story is just there to keep the movie moving along and uh everything else is just bang 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 action um you know a, a movie like that a movie like even the the, uh, the se- one of the sequels to this die hard with a vengeance um which I one is that is that the third one that's the third one the one with samuel l jackson yeah uh i i thought that that was uh almost on the same level for me as the original Die Hard. Well, I think before I even answer my own question, sequel time right now. I, I've I figured it out. I know the formula. Die Hard Thirty One, okay, is an action movie where our main star is an aging gentleman who has not aged gracefully. Let's say he's in his early to mid forties. Maybe he's rocking a a dad bod that's just uh, gone a little extreme. Uh, His joints don't actually bend and work like they're supposed to. And he has a hard time more or less getting up and down stairs. And he is forced into an encounter in in a skyscraper. Uh, Of course, not at Nakatomi Plaza. That'd be ridiculous. But instead, he's in Dubai. And the Burj Khalifa. Exactly. <laughs> okay. On floor, you know, 3,129. Um, I think they have about 4,000 floors. I can't keep track. Sure. And he's going there and it's not, it's not, you know, some story with an estranged wife and, you know, are they going to get back together? Because that's just, you know, why you've been done. Yeah. Been come there. on. Let's be totally original. So. He actually um, is going there to meet up with his wife, that or ex-wife, because they're divorced. But there's still a spark there, and they have a couple kids together, and they're thinking that they might get back together at this party at this skyscraper. Um, so he shows up, and of course, uh, terrorists that aren't really terrorists also show up. Uh, again, I don't want to borrow too much from Die Hard. People have done that before. Um, but one of them is named Hans Greiber, um, played by a... Uh, a young Alan Rickman with CGI and holograms. And what happens though, is that uh, they start shooting up the place. Our main actor is, you know, in the, in the bathroom making fists with his toes in the carpet. And he's just like, screw it. You know, I can't do anything. I'm just going to keep making fists with my toes in the carpet. And they come in and they shoot him. Um, so it surprisingly doesn't have the, the happy ending that you've come to expect in many of these diehard movies, but it is much quicker and you get it out of the way and you can move on to other movies. Great. I was hoping that that would be the answer at the end there because that already that movie was dragging on way longer than it needed to. Exactly. Not a John McTiernan, uh, 
uh, directed Die Hard movie. Oh, no. Didn't I mention that this is going to be a John Deck right act star vehicle? Oh, okay. And I'll, I mean, I'll have to stretch out my acting chops to pull this off, but I'm going to be that main character. Are you playing everyone? Of course not. That would be ridiculous because it's already be done. I'm not playing the main villain only. So you're just. The other scores of people. So you so okay so you're playing everyone but the main villain right because that's going to be a, a de-aged hologram of Alan Rickman I think we've oh already right established right right yeah yes but who's doing the mocap for that oh me of course oh okay that's okay that's what I was getting at yeah like, I yeah thought, I didn't I just, know if you were I mean come on it's I don't want to tarnish the the reputation of Alan Rickman by you know pretending like I'm as good as him so I, of course I'll still be doing all of the work and that will be me acting everything out. And I'll be doing my Sean Connery slash Alan Rickman impersonation because he's also a half-son of Sean Connery. (laughs) You know, half-sons. Sure. You know how that works. Yeah. Sean Connery and Alan Rickman's hologram child. Yep. And of course. (laughs) Alan Connery. Yeah, Alan Connery. um, And and whenever there's trouble, um, he's going to turn and look to the camera and he's going to go, The dog's name was... Die hard. <laughs> and that's my best Sean Connery slash Alan Rickman combo personality that's, swap makeover you're going to get. Fucking fantastic. It's been a while since we've <laughs> had some Sean Connery on the show. I had to uh, tone it down with the, the Rickman, just a little yeah, bit you, of the draw on you, there. You know, it's, it's you a, did tamp it down a little bit. Yeah. That was good. But um, let's get back on topic and let me answer right. my own question real quick, which is just to say that, of course, as we've already concluded, Die Hard stacks up and it's still a, a, just a perfectly fine action movie in its own right. But I do find that I'm I'm enthralled by movies that get the formula right, whether it's super simple, uh, say like John Wick, or if it's more complex, but still has a lot of those great action moments like John Wick 2 or John Wick 3. Um <laughs> I'm not saying okay. I only like John Wick movies, but uh, I it, think it's it, interesting. It sounds like that's what you're saying. I just think it's fascinating that you could take the first John Wick and it's just like this straight up action movie with virtually no plot. And there's still something precise and, and wonderful in the action element of it. But then you expand the universe and it still works. And it, I've found all three movies to be rather good. And um, it, it's just kind of like Die Hard also did with the expanding its universe, of course, Die Hard then fell hard because <laughs> it, <laughs> it died hard. And um, John Wick hasn't done that yet. But enough about John Wick. Let's talk about the Joker. Okay. No, I'm that's, just kidding. I don't want to okay. do that. Okay. That's, that's good because I I haven't watched it yet. And that hasn't. That, that's not where I thought you were going. Um, <laughs> one thing that I had written down here was there were so many great fucking one-liners in this movie uh, and, and just like quotable lines um the aforementioned uh yippee kaye motherfucker and now i have a machine gun ho 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 uh the welcome to the party pal uh why don't you wake up and smell what you're shoveling um <laughs> it's probably my favorite reginald val johnson line uh, uh oh, come out to the coast we'll get together have a few laughs uh like there's so many lines in this movie that I, I like I could spend the whole the whole episode just quoting it if if that's what we wanted to do. But um did you have 
like a favorite line or a favorite quote or or like a favorite interaction or like a back and forth dialogue um you know it, it's interesting that i could still enjoy the 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 quotes and i can still have fun with it i don't it doesn't strike me as as probably as fun and as witty as it used to back when it was all new and fresh and so some of the lines feel like oh this is an 80s movie where they have like funny one-liners by the action hero a lot um but on the plus side bruce willis is just kind of charming in his own right so it can pull off a lot of these things so i think it's like a lot of several of the the side character villain lines that really kind of annoyed me and i didn't think they were very funny um like the hacker guy had uh several uh that just didn't land for me but i do like quite a bit when bruce willis is trying to get the attention of the police and and they're like, sir, this is an emergency channel. And he's like, this sounds like I'm ordering a pizza. And like, <laughs> just that kind of, I mean, again, it's not just a one-liner quotable type of thing, but it's an example of the that kind of dialogue where this is not taking itself seriously. It's having a fun time. You're You're in the shoes of this average guy who's not like a super classy, super suave hero type. Uh, he, you know, he's vulnerable. His shoes are off. He's bleeding. His shirt turns from white to dark brown in a second or two with no <laughs> real explanation. I mean, these things happen and we're there to, to live and deal with it. So I kind of had fun. I enjoy the dialogue and it's it's a little slightly campiness. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, all these quotable lines, it's, it's hard not to just acknowledge its place in history. Um, oh, I do. I, I really do like... Uh, the smarmy guy that's trying to hook up with Holly that I can't remember his name. Oh, Alice. Yeah. And when he's like, Hans, Bubby, I'm your white knight. Like, (laughs) I, I love that. Like, it really seems to me like he should have been trying to do more of a Christopher Walken type impression with that. But, you know, you know, now that you mention it, I I do kind of feel that way too. Like, I think that that, uh, uh, Christopher Walken delivery on that would have, landed much better but it was still a good line yeah i mean of course we're meant to hate him from the moment we meet eyes you know and so that's fine and he gets killed and everybody's happy so yes it was sweet when they killed alice as the song goes (laughs) yeah um i am of course referring to the song die hard by guys night uh free plug there guys night enjoy um merry christmas Merry Christmas, gents. Uh, going back to Alan Rickman for a minute. Um, this this is his first major film role, and probably one of my favorite, like at, least, at at worst, top five for me as far as his uh, his acting career goes. I mean, it's it's hard to even label a lot of his roles and put them in order. Um, I mean, of course, he's great as Hans Gruber, and it's hard to, uh, I mean, I automatically think probably Harry Potter first, then Galaxy Quest, then probably Robin Hood, and then, I don't know, there's a million other Sense and Sensibility, um, but yeah, like, he's, he's kind of a, he reminds me a little bit of Gary Oldman in the way that, you know, if you, you can, like, plug him into a role, he fits in perfectly, he's gonna deliver at least a very good solid you know performance and then at best it's just awesome so like 
this role here, I do think that there's a little bit that suffers uh, with the 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 need to make Bruce Willis's character um, the hero. They have to kind of foil the villains in a certain way. That there's there's a bit of incongruity in the sense that they're so uh, they have things mapped out to a T. Every little second, everything's planned. They're you know criminal masterminds, and I know that's kind of the fun of the movie is this just cop you know from Chicago is just screwing everything up. But it New also York. well, he's from Chicago originally, and he went to New York to work. Oh, okay. In my head, <laughs> <laughs> but like it, it's the the bad guys so to speak are are really despite all the way they set it up they're just no match for him um and so like i like elements especially like when uh like uh hans is acting as though he's one of the hostages and and like that little back and forth is fun and stuff but in the long run that this is nowhere near a Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty back and forth type of thing. It's always slanted in the favor of the hero. Um, and so it, the role he was given, he did a great job with it. I thought it was really you know good as a, you know, as the head villain, but I, it's weird that I almost wish for more from a movie we're already saying is one of the predominant action movies ever made. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I do get what you're saying there with, with, sort of asking for more um but i i have to disagree with you as far as like i feel like alan rickman's delivery especially for this being his first major film role um kind of stands out um amongst everyone else in that kind of terrorist group like you especially when you're talking about um uh you mentioned the hacker theo uh like he's kind of just a pain in the ass and you know i I don't know if he's socially awkward or what but he you know he tries to be this big bombastic personality and it it just falls flat whereas hans is this low-key sort of guy who he doesn't necessarily have to raise his voice he doesn't necessarily have to chuck out witticisms and, and stuff like that um that at one point he even like he sort of admits that he's bullshitting everybody when he's talking to um uh what's his name on the uh uh Robinson detect deputy police chief Dwayne T Robinson Robinson Caruso yep played by Paul Gleason he's 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 giving his demands and saying I want the release of this group and I want that group and I want the release of uh Asian Dawn and Carl, his sort of main henchman, looks at him and is like, Asian Dawn. Uh, and Hans gives this great thing, like covers the radio and he goes, I read about them in Time magazine. Like just, he's like, I needed a name to give to them to, you know, but, release these political dissidents or whatever. But a screenwriter uh, wrote that line. I understand a screenwriter no, wrote that line. but <laughs> I'm just having, I'm, I'm having saying to fun you, with this. Yes, I, I know. Um, what I'm saying though is like they they made Hans Gruber this character that can just sort of do that and make maybe give an off the cuff thing or give a pre planned bullshit thing. And Alan Rickman embodied that. And I, I think that that was a really well done thing on his part. So well, that's that's why I'm, I feel the way that I do. 
I'm going to go ahead and flip the script and come circle back around and agree with you. Um, which, you know, normally I'm always pushing for some sort of fight and knockout, drag out emotional movie fight. And then we end up agreeing on things. And in this case, I thought we were about to go to war and then you actually made a good case. And now I flipped back around. Um, <laughs> so, but, but here's the problem then is that you're thinking I'm watching this movie that I'm calling a, a great Christmas movie called Die Hard. Alan Rickman's in it. I'm loving his performing. It's great. But Anthony, are there any other movies that he's ever been in that you'd call a Christmas movie that you like? Of course there is. Are you kidding me? There's one that we will probably watch this month. Oh, no. Oh, yes. We are probably going to watch Love Actually at some point Perfume. this month. Perfume. Oh. <laughs> that was not Cinnamon that. Stick? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, no, I I love him in Love Actually. Uh, oddly enough, probably not in my top five of his film roles. But, uh, yes, I love Love Actually, and we will watch it. If not this Christmas, next Christmas, but probably this Christmas. Yeah, uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about Alan Rickman. Uh, really, the other main actor here that we have is Bruce Willis. This is probably, again, top five, but maybe even top three of my favorite Bruce Willis movies. Um, I, I struggle to think of too many movies that would i mean we did watch hudson hawk remember kind of outrank it yeah not in my top three though weird um it's uh you know that is what it is (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm trying to think of like what other i won't even say uh movies but roles that he's done that uh i liked more what about fifth element um a a top top five uh i just realized so bruce willis has now become our our lead actor on the memory distillery hasn't he he has uh we'll we'll probably see that leaderboard change quite a bit uh over the coming weeks and months uh yeah i mean like he was, he was great in the Jackal. He was great in uh, so, so many things. Like it's, it's really hard to to pin down. But this would definitely be one of my top film roles for him. Yeah, it's hard to argue. I mean, he really does carry you know eighty percent of it on his his physicality and charisma and stuff. So like, yeah, I mean, it's really built for him, and he he does buy it just fine. Yep, agreed. So. Peeling back the curtain here a little bit for everybody. Um, in preparation for our shows every week, I do a, a fair to midland amount of research uh, about a movie, and and you know, especially after we've watched it, like going back through and looking at quotes and stuff like that. And every so often, uh, I run across the uh, the the reviews, and in particular, I like to read the audience reviews on sites like Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb. And I ran across one and I wanted to share it with everyone. Yeah, just to get some color and some contrast and getting another voice in there, giving us a very simple reflection of what else has been unveiled in the movie. I get it. Exactly. Uh, In this case, this review comes from IMDb user uh, Elsine Philo. 
who writes as the title uh useless dumb action this was written originally on august 15 2005 so almost 15 years ago and i'm gonna read it as written this movie was produced in a period when we did not have such concepts like 9-11 the only thing i liked about this movie is that the terrorist group is multinational by which no nationality or ethnic background is aimed at directly but you know other than that what could i see in the movie Action, action, stupid, unrealistic action. Hollywood action rolls where the the hero's shirt is ripped off in the first reel so you can see how much time he has been spending at the gym to impress our rusty eyes. (laughs) Uh, NWPD cop who finishes off seven to eight terrorists in a single-minded way. And he has no support from LYPD police department and dumb (laughs) FBI officials. (laughs) <laughs> this is a unusual, preposterous Rambo action. Hollywood has always done this. It has been about 20 years since this movie was made, and I wonder whether America has ever even seen such fictional heroes. For example, why such a hero did not save the Twin Towers by himself. I can only laugh. Finishing <laughs> off the terrorists who are intellectually developed, who work with clockwork precision by the efforts of one simple cop, you think the rest... 20- you, th- you think the rest. <laughs> 26 out of 96 people found this review to be helpful. I don't know what's worse, the review itself or that 26 people found it helpful. Well, I found it helpful. It, it made me feel better about myself and my life. Um, and I, I certainly do feel that the LYPD could have done more. The LYPD and the dumb FBI officials? He has no support <laughs> from them. And that is a true fact preposterous and the nwpd like <laughs> like that cop like he, he who finishes off seven to eight terrorists in a single-minded way in a single-minded way <laughs> that's i mean it's very true and here here's the part where i think we really have to give this reviewer some credit they really aren't afraid to dig into the whole 9-11 issue um, a lot of people are afraid to talk about it but this person this man or woman uh, went into this, and they weren't going to hide from from the light. They were going to bring this out into the open so we could all look at it and wonder why have we not seen fictional heroes in real life? Why Why is a movie fiction, and why is real life not fiction? I think that's what they're asking, and bravo, yeah. bravo. It's so brave to ask such questions. I why? Mean, why think, someone like John McClane didn't save the Twin Towers himself? I mean, you Why could say that about so planes? many movies, like the superhero movies. Why? It's been about 20 years, and I wonder whether America has ever seen such fictional heroes as Superman. For example, why has Superman not saved Twin Towers by himself? <laughs> exactly. I mean, we really have to think about what we're doing right and wrong in our lives, and and I'm humbled by El Cinefilo. Yep, me too. Thank you for for pointing out the stupid, unrealistic action. Uh, so, John, I had a couple of questions lined up. Um, I didn't know if you had any or if you had anything else you wanted to talk about before we get to those. And nah, just jump into the questions. Just go for it. Cool. So my first question for you, and this should be a pretty easy one. How would you rank the five Die Hard movies from best to worst? Seven. Seven is not a Die Hard movie. 
No, I mean, that's how I would rank them. In terms of best to worst, I'd give them a 7 out of 10. (laughs) Is that not what you meant? Not in the slightest. So really, there are five? There are five Die Hard movies. You have Die Hard, Die Hard 2. There's more and less. Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, Live Free or Die Hard, and A Good Day to Die Hard. Well, the worst is A Good Day to Die Hard. And that is because I believe I actually tried to watch it twice, and I just couldn't. I just was so not into it. So I have to leave it at the bottom, and it's the worst because it's the only one I haven't actually fully seen. That being said, I don't think it's always fair to say something you haven't seen is the worst, but I'm going to go out on a limb and just call it for what it is. Um, So then working from the worst up to the best, (laughs) because I can't do things the easy way, um... I'd say no. That, that's fine. That's actually probably better. Yeah, because it goes five is the worst, four is the second worst, two is the third worst, three is the second worst, and one is the first best. Yeah. Okay. That's that's the order that I had. So well, that's the correct. right order. You yeah. are correct, and you win the toaster. Uh, how, how many slices? It's a four slice toaster. But Die Hard had five movies. Then it's a five slice toaster. Sweet. Um, but Die Hard is actually going to have six movies, which uh, leads me to my next question about Die Hard Thirty One. You want me to rehash that plot again? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to focus on Die Hard Six, which tentatively, I believe, is being called McLean. Uh, <laughs> what are your hopes for McLean? That it gets canceled and the people will pour that money into something that will be far more exciting and interesting. <laughs> is this is this that like reboot thing where they're going to have someone who's not Bruce Willis play like a young John McClane? Is I don't the... think so. I oh, think okay. that uh, at the very least, uh, Bruce Willis is rumored to be playing John McClane. There are no other uh members of the cast or uh anything like that announced they do have a director attached in uh len wiseman who also directed um uh which one was that uh live free or die hard uh so yeah Mm. I I have a hard time having a lot of cares one way or another about what does or doesn't happen with the sixth movie. I suppose you never know when you're going to find a way to reinvent something and throw some more energy into it. I guess the best I could hope for is that um, maybe, maybe they tone it down and try to bring some extra dimensions to it and not not try to imitate the the like the ramping up of say a fast and furious where every time they try to make it bigger and bigger with more explosions and more things because i think that works for the fast and furious franchise for what it is but for die hard it seems like the more they try to add the more convoluted it gets and then they lose the plot and and everything just seems kind of a bit of a mess and it's not as fun or focused and so um I'm not saying we have to go back to terrace and a skyscraper as the only option here, but maybe, and this is just a a thought, but maybe like that there could be some sort of backstory or something interesting going on. Well, so what if 
rather than because I mean, if you if you look at the 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 McLeanverse, um, it, it's it's sort of expanded globally, right? Like it started in LA, and then we had DC, and then we had New York, and then we had the entire East Coast, and then you had uh, you know, Russia, and it, like it, it turned into this global thing. What if we take it in the complete opposite direction? And I know he's yes. in he, he's in small town, uh, Nebraska. Smaller, tiny town, <laughs> Oklahoma. No, uh, sis, you were gonna say Oklahoma. I know, <laughs> but no. <laughs> What I'm saying is it's not even set in a town. It is set solely within the confines of a convenience store. Oh. And he yes. has to foil the robbery in a convenience store. It's a 110-minute movie with three people in the cast. The guy working behind the counter, Bruce Willis, and whoever comes in to rob the store. Uh, a, a nephew of a Gruber. Of course. But but no connection. Never even knew his uncles, and he doesn't have an accent. And you don't. You, all you find out at the very end uh, when they look at his wallet and flip it open, and Bruce Willis, of course, having prevailed, would go, "Huh, a Gruber. I knew it." And then he spits on him. <laughs> Roll credits. Roll credits. I mean, if they can do, if if people can make a a, a ninety eight minute movie where Ron Reynolds is in a coffin the whole time they can make this happen with three people in a convenience store oh absolutely how oh, they put uh what's his face in a boat with a tiger yeah Tom Hanks but there was no tiger what's the movie with the castaway it was a volleyball it wasn't a tiger well no but there's a movie with a kid <laughs> or a guy in a boat with a tiger is it life of pie is that it Sure. Is that Robert Redford? No, well, not that. Now you have lost. See, there's there's a lot of movies with boats and people on boats, but there's no tiger in that one. <laughs> Fuck. There's a different one, Life of Pi, where there's a boat and a tiger. Then there's not Lost at Sea. It's like At Sea, something At Sea with Robert Redford. Um, and that's a good movie. And yeah, that was pretty much him for the majority of the thing, just being trying to wrangle his boat against the elements. Man versus nature. Um, but yeah, but we're not going to go that artistic. This is really going to be like the the first 10, 15 minutes of just setting it up and Bruce coming in and like, oh, I'll get one of these scratchers. And he's like, oh, yeah. Feeling be, lucky. Haven't had a terrorist like, incident in 10 years. Like, oh, one clover, two clover. Oh, yippee ki motherfucker, three clovers. And then he turns and winks at the camera and he's like. Thanks, Bob. And the guy behind the little counter is like, my name's not Bob. And he doesn't hear him. And he goes to get a Yoo-Hoo out of the fridge. And then we get to the main juice of this movie, which is our villain comes in. And the twist is he's only like a 14-year-old kid. Mm. So it really makes it a think piece. It's a think piece. So did the kid fall in hard times or is he just like... this is a dare from his friends or maybe he's super well off and he's just like trying to you know scratch an itch or something like that no it's politically motivated he actually is a part of that asian son (laughs) asian don (laughs) asian don that's it yeah and (laughs) and he's here to make a statement to oklahoma and or nebraska and that is that 
their their people will not be oppressed any longer. Um, and he's like, he is by the take people of Oklahoma, by the guy at the convenience store specifically. <coughs> oh God! Like I said, this is a real think piece. I think we do it in black and white as well. Ooh, yeah, get a whole noir vibe until the end when you Bruce Willis turns and throws a can of tomatoes and it bursts in midair and red flies out and hits the guy. Oh, it's like, oh, but that's the only color you see. It's the only color. Yes, and that ends that ends the incident. I'm not saying Bruce Willis kills this kid. I'm saying oh, he, no, he just takes he, him out with tomatoes. He stuns him and, yeah. and then you know has enough time to finally get the cuffs on him. Uh, and you, know, you get a, a little lens flare off of the chrome of the cuffs. Uh, yeah. It's very, very tasteful. He's just like, Noah Gruber. I knew it. <laughs> Roll credits. Uh, all right, everyone. That was Die Hard. Uh, <laughs> thank you all so very much for listening uh, to us every week. We have a great time watching these movies. We hope you have a great time listening to us talk about them. Uh, stick with us each week. Uh, every Monday we release new episodes. Uh, and, yeah, come and hang out with us as we distill another favorite from our past. Yeah, we're going to continue this trip into Christmas movie worlds, and you're all going to have a fun time with us. Um, one thing we didn't really get to touch on this week was the use of Ode to Joy throughout the musical soundtrack, mm. which was happening constantly, even in the tiniest, subtlest notes to the big bombastic, bombastic tunes. Um, and if you love Beethoven, you're going to just absolutely cherish Semaphore. And they provided us with the songs during the evidence, which we use each week in our podcast. Check them out. Uh, they're all over the place, Spotify and elsewhere. So you'll find them and you'll love them. Um, as always, email us with any questions or comments you have, anything about movies you'd like to see us do, or why we didn't do something in the past that we should have. Uh, that's at thememorydistillery at gmail.com. And thanks yeah, again, everybody. Actually, Anthony hey, wants to say one more thing, I he think. He does. Uh, when you email us, uh, email us this week. Uh, at the memory oh, yeah. distillery at gmail.com or hit us up on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash the memory distillery and sound off. Tell us if you think, uh, or if you believe in your heart of hearts that Die Hard's a Christmas movie because it fucking is no matter what anyone says. Uh, but yeah, prove me wrong. And if you really want to prove him wrong, I think the more efficient uh, way to express yourself that I would love is if you come out, hop onto Facebook or send us an email telling us that you really don't care whether or not it's a Christmas movie. You just like the movie and you don't want to have that conversation anymore. Damn it. Do that for me, John. Do that for me. Fuck. (laughs) And once again, I have been John Deck. And I will continue to be Anthony Veneri. And this has been the Memory Distillery. Stay classy, Nakatomi Tower. Yeah, eat, eat this grenade. Flashbang! Wait, record this audio. Are you ready? Yes. You can insert this anytime you want, maybe a hundred times. That's what she said. <laughs> Man, he's All right. Here it comes. <clears throat> That's what she said. Um, flash bang. <laughs> <laughs>